Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store. Hello, I'm Rebecca Roberts. Hi, I'm Harriet Small. Welcome to Have You Got Five Minutes, the PR, comms and marketing podcast answering things you'd normally have asked about at an event or while making a brew in the office. Hi Harriet, how are you? I'm alright, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How was your weekend? I was very cultured, so I went to a photo exhibition at the... I don't even know if I can say the word, the Septrine. It's a exhibition by a Ghanaian British photographer. It is absolutely stunning. I shared it on Twitter, um, but I'll put it in the show notes as well. It's beautiful. Nice. I feel like me getting crazy golf isn't as cultured, but, you know, the kids had fun and I know that golf isn't for me. But also this weekend, we had Channel 4 doing something a bit different, which we wanted to talk about, didn't we? Yeah, Channel 4 wasn't annoying this weekend, which is a a surprise. But Channel 4 did, on the 10th of September, did a whole day of programming called Black to Front. And they had black presenters, writers, experts, contributors, all the normal Channel 4 shows were all fronted by black people. And then also a lot of black people were behind the scenes as well. So if you think about Countdown, one of my favourites, Gogglebox, they also did brought back The Big Breakfast and... They did a special show. So they had Big Age, which is written by a black author called Bolu. And then they also have a reality show called High Life, which is a show about Nigerian and Ghanaian Brits in the UK and their lives. And it's a show about black enjoyment, which I really love, but also it portrays their lives. So yeah, it was a wonderful day. Loved it. I still have some of it to catch up on because on Friday I had... um, some meetings and a little bit of leave here and there so I've got bits to catch up but I did rotate my whole weekend around the goggle box yeah I mean I watched goggle box and they had that beautiful film black joy that short little short just before it in the adverts and they had quite a lot of spoken word throughout the day Lem Sesse was doing some stuff and they had it was interesting they had some reruns of Desmond's and they had some films later on and I've read like quite a lot of opinion pieces about this because I was like oh this is really refreshing it was like good to do but then a lot of the commentators and opinion pieces were saying actually like they could have been braver with some of the episodes they put on certain things but some of the films they had were really thought-provoking and it was the stuff in between that raised awareness of certain cultural things which I thought was interesting but they said they could have some people felt they could have been braver but I just thought it was really refreshing like it was good to watch there was lots of stuff on there and I didn't think it was I don't know like I just watched Gogglebox and enjoyed Gogglebox as well like it wasn't like every show had to have like a big debate on it it was just normalizing the fact that you you could have and I thought it was interesting they had channel 4 news fronted that way as well and it was like okay so let's raise awareness now this this should be done on a a regular basis I think the the big thing for me is that also the ad all the adverts feature black people and stories about black people I think the thing I loved the most was it was trying to portray that the talent is there and this excuse of the talent doesn't exist can't work anymore. And I think that for me was one of the biggest parts of it because even in our industry, you often hear people saying the talent's not there, the talent's not there, the talent's not there, which I think is a big lie. And I and I include even 
what we do with this podcast when people say, oh, we can't feature or we can't find diverse speakers or black people to speak about a topic. But yet you can find us when you want us to talk about black trauma, but you don't want us when we talk about expert topics or black joy or the things that have gone well. So for me, that was one of the biggest parts. I think the other one was also around seeing dark-skinned black women. So you had AJ fronting Big Breakfast. You had people like Judy Love on the show. And then even on the High Life, you had dark-skinned black women as part of the main cast. The same on Gogglebox, you had dark-skinned black women, you had disabled women, you also had people who were transgender, you had different people from different backgrounds on it. So I think it's high time we stop this whole thing of the talent's not there because the talent is there, you just don't know them or you don't know where to look and you need to do a better job of it. The other thing is just for me, it's about putting your money where your mouth is. It must have taken Channel for a really long time to put this together. I don't think it was done in a couple of weeks. It's probably something that's been going ongoing for a really long time. And I think more people need to put their money where their mouth is, you know, statements and and squares and all that kind of stuff. We're past that now. It's show us what you're doing. Yeah, and they had they ran off the day with um like a pan discussion called Unapologetic, which I kind of want to sit catch up on. And that featured a panelist like so comedian Dane Baptiste, former Guardian columnist Gary Young. And they discussed like challenging topics like colorism and racism in sport. And apparently that's the most radical offering of the day because it was really like talking about some of the issues and unpacking some of that so like you're saying going beyond just the whole like we support black people and black lives matter it's kind of really talking about some of the the challenges and I think that's where you see channel four it's that's beyond performative that's showing like a genuine commitment to doing something different and I think that's what's really refreshing so um yeah I mean this article I was reading we'll link it up but it was saying that this whole day is and particularly that show, they had a film, I Am Danielle on as well, Moonlight as well. So they were saying like they had like lots of scheduling into the early hours with great content like that. And they said like this is a not so subtle hint perhaps that Channel 4's commitment to black representation is more than an obligation. And I really like that because I think actually, yeah, you're, you're right. You're putting your money where your mouth is and showing something like, like a, a step above. Yeah, and I think, you know, over the years, I've always found Channel 4 to be much more... I don't want to let them off lightly, but I've always found them to be slightly more empathetic and slightly more braver than some of the other channels. In that sense, I'll be I'll be honest, even the news, you know, you've got people like Jon Snow and, and Krishna who are Murphy. However, they have done things where sometimes you're like, mm, who, who, who signed that one off? And I think sometimes they have also tried to toe the line so for example when they did the series with um, Michelle Humes on the mortality rate for black women having children it, it just didn't hit the mark for what Channel 4 normally would have done so I think sometimes yes they're great like for instance in this case but they sometimes do miss the mark and I think that they do still have some work to do but I do I give them their flowers when it's due. But yeah, if you want to catch up on anything, um, if you go to all four, Black and Proud, and this that is not sponsored, I'm just shouting out Channel 4. Although, you know, honestly, if they do want to sponsor us, we, we're over to offers. So for our five minutes today, we are going to chat about sort of flexible working and I guess the, the working culture, I guess, for people who are part-time or want flexible working. And specifically, we're talking about parents here because there was a pretty landmark case just a couple of weeks ago, Alice Thompson, who wanted shorter working hours to pick up a daughter from nursery. But basically, she was made to feel that wasn't possible at all, was pushed out, talked about and she kept receipts basically because she was refused that she won a hundred eighty five thousand pound payout. 
And having been a working mum and battled through kind of part-time work and all the rest of it, yeah, it kind of hit home. And I guess it's a really good reminder that you still can't punish people just because they want a bit of flexibility to live around their family. I'm not a working mum. I've had children. But I have been a child and I have had a working mum. And sometimes, you know, your mum's working, she's got to miss things. It does affect you. You do do feel, you know, you feel a certain kind of type of way. Even when my father was still alive, you know, you feel, oh, why are my parents here when other kids have their parents here? Or why can't my parents do pick up when other people's parents do pick up or drop off and that kind of thing? And I went to boarding school for most of my secondary school years. So it is a different shift because you're now in school with all these kids whose mum and dads are not there every day. So it is a huge shift and it is different. But I think it is hard on both sides and and flexible working doesn't mean that the person just wants to come in at 10 leave at three so there has to be some structure to it there has to be some rhyme or reason to it and why I've known people who have started work at say seven in the morning and then they finish at two go and pick up their children and then log back on again so it doesn't mean that just because the person's not available during those hours when they are working what effort or energy are they putting into the work that they're doing and I think that's what people need to start focusing on it's the looking at the outcomes rather than just how long were they on the screen for? How long was that little toggle on the Teams or Google, whatever you're using, green for? And how long was it inactive for? Because I'll be honest, sometimes I'm working on a completely different laptop or maybe a video or an audio file. And on my thing, it says inactive, but I'm actually doing your work for you. Yeah, and we're talking a lot of the time here about it's different where you're doing like, say if you're waitressing or you're doing like an hourly shift, much more transactional in the sense of this is what you're here to do in the hours but when you're paying someone at a professional level to do something you know you you can force them into a very clock in clock out mentality when you start saying how are you doing those hours and how you're splitting them if you trust someone to deliver at a certain level you do have to work with them and, and have the right leadership to kind of develop the culture around them you know I've been in situations where I too have kind of been in the office like two hours before I needed to be got through a load of work got the school drop-off done done tea then logged back in but was made to feel horrendous to go out and pick up my children to the point where you know there was deliberate um, and I have to be careful what I say, but deliberate activity to make me feel bad, to basically make me miss my children's first day of school and one situation. And then I found out this person was late into work because they were taking their dogs to the vets. But that was OK. So, yeah, I kind of it's a difficult one to navigate because I definitely think as a working mum, you feel so grateful for any flexibility. And like in my case, I've always felt like so much more loyal and committed just for that tiny bit of freedom but actually you end up working quite a lot more so like this whole idea of like oh I'll do like four and a half days in four days you end up just working crazy hours because there is that guilt like you have mum guilt but you have like the work guilt because you're part-time and I think we have to be really careful when you're managing someone like I've seen it before and I'm like you're actually doing like five days of work in like your three days or whatever because you're feeling like you have to and there's this constant pressure of almost like how you're seen as a parent and I think people who are part-time have it as well that the rest of the time they're obviously swanning around not doing anything but I think you have to kind of check up on other people even if you're not part-time yourself anymore but you can see people going oh they're not here today well if they're not being paid to be there like you have to kind of stick up for them and I'm really conscious of that because I think that can be quite a deliberate way and this this woman anyway was quite she was talked about I think her boss said something like I was warned about taking on women of this age because they'd have children go off and it's like 
yeah, okay, that's a great view to share publicly. And, you know, I've challenged people where they've kind of made comments like, oh, well, if we recruit her, she might want children in a few years. And that's just like, A, it's illegal. You can't you can't speak like that. But people really do. And I think it's quite a problem that people don't really want to admit to. I remember in Michelle Obama's autobiography, she talked about when she went part-time and she was actually just trying to fit in a full-time job into less hours. And I feel like a lot of people do say that. And I get what you mean about the made to feel guilty. I remember... There's an article actually in Grazia, which I'll link in the show notes, from during the first lockdown or after the first lockdown, where there was contention in certain offices, such as Facebook and other companies, where dependency leave was given to parents. But then people who don't have children were saying, actually, what about us? We're left here to pick up all the slack and all the work. And someone's been given three months off work fully paid so what about my mental health what about my well-being what about you know all those things and it is a difficult position to be in as a boss or as a company when you've got these two sort of groups against each other and also one's being pitted against the other it is very difficult and that's a, a dynamic which we have to sort of think about how we manage especially as we sort of emerge out of lockdown or and also transition back to the office and I'm speaking about lockdown because of global context not because of the UK laws but it's one of those things because there'll be certain people who'll be like yeah I'll come back to the office three four days a week I don't mind then there'll be other people who say I only want to come into the office when we need to come into the office for a meeting or for collaboration and then those two are going to be warring against each other where one's going to be saying well I'm in the office I'm getting all the career enhancing opportunities the person who's at home saying I can't really come back to the office for the full five days a week or four days a week whatever it is because I want to do school pickup, the life I've grown accustomed to in the last sort of two years because of COVID, I want to maintain that. Maybe family dynamics have changed. Maybe they've moved further away so they have different kind of schooling for their children, different kind of open spaces and green spaces. Maybe they've moved closer to their families, where their families live outside of maybe big cities so that they can help with childcare and have that wholesome family life. So all sorts of different dynamics that will start warring against each other and come into play and look I've managed people who have taken frankly taken the piss with the whole flexi stuff and and you have to kind of talk to them about like you know it's if you're given that kind of grace and the part-time stuff it's how you manage up and I think that's a really big thing around like one when you work for yourself around client management it's how you manage up your time and if you're working with someone that feels like they're picking up slack it's like making sure that you know where you where you do have their back all that kind of those dynamics and you also have people who have caring responsibilities and will have sick parents and won't take leave like that I think that there's a an issue here that's quite gendered. I know that the take up for male paternity leave, for example, is really small. And there's a couple of things at play there. That, you know, sometimes a pay difference. If a the dad is earning a lot more than the the other person, then they might say, "Well, look, I won't take the leave." But actually, there is more of a systematic thing of how men are treated because they want to take paternity leave. And I think there is a lot of things around leading by example. So I think as a leader, if you have care responsibilities, or you know. Even responsibilities down to your own life. So taking children out of the picture, 
things like sport, fitness, well-being. And I know we can kind of say, like, oh, well, we're going for a run in the morning. No, that's time for yourself, and that is important. And that's looking after your mental health on a daily basis is, you know, looking after your physical health as well. So I think all those things in the culture of where you work are really important. And I mentioned on the podcast a little while ago, actually, of someone who had basically been given a graduate scheme role, and he'd explained that his sporting kind of commitments, and would it be a problem because it's on a weekend? No, no, absolutely fine. And then when he got into it, it was like culture that was not okay. Like, they, they said it was, but it really wasn't. And so I think there was a big thing around every company will say, like, we're committed to, you know, working families and flexible working. But the reality is so different to the point of I was tapped up for a contract by a really big, who won't name, organisation, really family first, like we're so family friendly, like a big customer base for them is family. And I sort of explain like how I might support the role in my kind of business. And it would be like shared with like another, they just said, I want to it. That never works. We tried that with women before who are mums and I hadn't even said that there's reason why it's like that's just the way my business is structured and I was just so shocked and it's really irritating actually because a lot of companies trade on this like we're so great but actually then you culture eat strategy for breakfast right but I think that's quite an issue yeah and I get I get what you mean about paternity leave I know Diageo did a lot of work around paternity leave and I remember when I was at Sky we had men in our department taking paternity leave three months and, and they took it and then they went and they had they looked after their children and I've also worked in places where people don't always take that leave or if they take take it it's for two weeks and then they're they're trying to juggle it here there everywhere even my own brother he worked for one of the big I think it's one of those big companies I won't say which one because I don't want them coming for me even when he was taking his paternity leave he staggered it it was great for him and his partner because they sort of enjoyed it. But I remember when he had his first child, he didn't have that option. So he was running around working, was there coming check? And it was just chaotic. Whereas with the second, he had paternity leave and it was so much better and, and everything else. And I think maybe because the first one, he was in agency and he wasn't in-house and that kind of thing. But it does make a huge difference giving men paternity leave and also encouraging people to take it and also leading by example. And also having special leaves, so for example, adoption leave. You know, Not all families are the same. Not all people are going to go through the nine months of pregnancy and then their partner's going to have a baby and then you're going to give them that. So having those kind of leaves in place where you know this is how families are now in the modern day not just sort of for the traditional way in which people had families it's about having policies that really reflect people I think as well so it's just you know what friends who've had like really poorly children and that's been a real balance to try and get leave and work around that and I think you know even down to like house moves and other stuff it's like as an organization what are the stress points in people's lives and how can you kind of help that and then I think when you treat people like that you do get a lot of like love and commitment back and I think that's really important because like I say I think the risk is when you don't you get people thinking well I've got to clock in my x amount of hours and people are going to just go down to the bare minimum then I think yeah and then just do things for the sake of it like let me just be here so that they see that I'm here rather than let me give my best so that they we lead to what we're trying to do Thanks for joining us and everything we've mentioned will be in the show notes. We're talking about the questions and issues that matter to you. So DM us on social or get in touch with Harriet at commsovercoffee.com or myself Rebecca at threadandfable.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate, review, subscribe so others can find us and have five minutes with us. Find us on Twitter at RebeccaRoberts7 or at Harriet Smallsy. 
Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us, and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store.